You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome into another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Blisco, along with your host, James Rapine. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I tell you what, James, amazing selection and reliably low prices sounds like something the Bengals could really use right now. And we'll talk about that a little bit coming up (laughs) later in the show. But first, AJ Green has found a new home. We got contract details on Mike Hilton and of less significance, but still interesting, Brandon Wilson. And we'll talk about why the evidence is trending in a bad direction for for me and my promise that I was going to come after them if I didn't like some of their contract structures in this free agency period. We'll get into that in segment two. But James, let's start with A.J. Green. He has a deal worth up to $8 million with the Arizona Cardinals in place, either following in Larry Fitzgerald's footsteps if he's not on the team next year or getting to play with a guy that we know he really looked up to when he was a younger man. I love this landing spot. Absolutely love it. Uh, It wasn't one that I mentioned, right? I mentioned Green Bay and Kansas City, and I think a lot of people thought of a couple of destinations like that, New Orleans, potentially, uh, especially during the season when Drew Brees was still there and it felt like they were a contender. But I love this situation. He doesn't have to be the number one. They have a speedster downfield threat in Christian Kirk that he can help mentor. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is that dude. And Green gets a quality, quality quarterback in Kyler Murray, who's ascending, who I think can be one of the top five, top eight quarterbacks in the league if he reaches his full potential. So there's plenty to like about this. And obviously, Arizona went and got J.J. Watt as well. They're trying to go for it a bit. And so I think it's a pretty good landing spot for Green. And hopefully he can have some success. He didn't land in in Baltimore like some had speculated, didn't land in the AFC. So it's going to be easy to root for A.J. Green because he's in the NFC. And I don't know about you, Jake, if you care or not. I would love to see Larry Fitzgerald, and it does seem kind of unlikely, but him return to the Cardinals and play with Green because they've been good friends for many, many years. And I think it would be cool to see those two guys suit up together. It would be fun, but I mean, from a football perspective, they're kind sure. of the, the same guy in a lot of ways at this point in their career. I mean, AJ's probably got a little bit more juice. I mean, he always had more juice and he's, he's younger than Larry, but I also really like the landing spot because as you said, James, he gets to play second fiddle for the first time in his career. Coverages in Arizona are still going to skew toward DeAndre Hopkins. I don't love the deal for the Cardinals because you're paying up to $8 million for A.J. Green. And, and talking to Bo Brack and Alex uh, Clancy, I was on the, the Locked On Cardinals podcast today with them. I mean, they're talking about their wide receiver room as if it's in dire straits. And they see this A.J. Green signing as, well, why didn't they go after one of these young guys like the Will Fullers, the Curtis Samuels, who, by the way, Curtis Samuel reportedly has got his options limited down to what was it the Washington football team a reunite a reunition re, re, uh, re reunion with uh, with reignition man I don't even remember his coach's name Riverboat Ron Ron Rivera and uh, a couple other teams with a lot of cats face the Jacksonville Jaguars New York Jets and there's one other team that I don't remember but the Bengals weren't on the list so there's your Curtis Samuel update for the day uh, 
AJ Green, though, wish him all the best, man. I, I was reflecting today, James, about this and the amount of, of players that I assumed would be part of something meaningful in Cincinnati that have left the team in the last calendar year. You got obviously Carlos Dunlap first and a lot of Bengals fans in my mentions of all the players I listed had some hard feelings for Carlos and I get it if that's where you're at. I'm not there. I'm, I'm going to have an easy time rooting for Carlos elsewhere. Going to have an easy time rooting for AJ, for Carl Lawson, for William Jackson. And if they decide to part ways, I'm going to have an easy time rooting for Gino too. But that is a lot of players that, that I thought would be part of a core that, that are not on the team or perhaps soon not to be on the team that have come off the roster in a pretty quick fashion. Life comes at you fast. And there was a, a Pro Bowl picture. And I think back, I think it was after the 2015 season where it was Adam Jones, A.J. Green, Andrew Whitworth, Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap. And, oh, I'm, am I missing one? Was Zeitler on that too? No, Zeitler wasn't a Pro Bowler ever, I don't think. Um, either way, it was a Pro Bowl picture. And it's all these guys. And now none of them are on the Bengals roster except uh, Geno Atkins. And, and we'll see. Like you said, probably not going to be back. So, no, I mean, it's sad. And the, the sad part about it to me is especially like Green, Atkins, those are probably the two. I wouldn't put Dunlap in the category. They just completely changed the franchise, changed the culture. And in Green's case, a, a lot of times in today's NFL and over the past really 20 years, you look at the quarterback, but Green was the guy carrying that offense for many, many years. And as, as good as Andy was at times, Green got him paid. And, and I've said that for a long time. And he was just so damn great. And injuries, unfortunately, derailed the, the last part of his career and then uh, in Cincinnati. And then obviously last year he underperformed and just didn't didn't look right. So hopefully he can look right in Arizona. I do think it's a, a scenario where that there is a chance that happens. And if, if you're an Arizona fan that happens to be dropping in because of the A.J. Green stuff, shocker for the Locked on Bengals listeners, I'm optimistic that A.J. Green is going to be pretty decent in 2021 because of the quarterback, because of the situation. And, and something just didn't gel. Something just didn't fit last year. To me, it wasn't just A.J.'s old. That might be part of it. But I, I think that whatever didn't fit has the potential to fit and to work in Arizona. And that uh, that's a positive. I think that it's almost certain that he has the potential to be better than he was in Cincinnati this year just because DeAndre Hopkins is there and, and Kyler Murray is there and it's just a different kind of offense. But we'll see what happens for him in the future. I, I agree with you. It seems like there was a disconnect between A.J. Green and this new Cincinnati Bengals coaching staff and the way things were going and I wish him all the best. That's kind of all there is to it. Did you have a favorite play? I tweeted my favorite AJ Green play. It was December 23rd, 2012. He ran a corner route after Reggie Nelson had an interception against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh on week 16. And it got the Bengals into field goal range. They make the field goal to clinch their playoff berth and knock the Steelers out of the playoffs. Do you have a favorite AJ Green memory? Yeah, just because I was there in person, I think it was the touchdown. Really the last time... The last year he had the juice we remember, but the touchdown in Atlanta mm -hmm. to beat the Falcons. And it was just a, a great ball. Tyler Boyd drags them downfield on a couple fourth downs. They outscore the Falcons, start four and one. And I was with Lance McAllister. We flew down and flew back the same day. It was, uh, I think, ultimate air shuttle or something flew us down. It was great. And uh, 
the, the the fun part about it is on the ride home, I remember talking to him like, I can't believe the Bengals are four and one. Mm-hmm. And that was really the last time you had any optimism about the Bengals potentially making a playoff push. So that's one. The other one is the touchdown in, in 2016 against the Steelers in the playoffs in, on, in January of 2016. That one, God, I mean, that should have been it, right? Yep. And, it, it, and unfortunately it wasn't, but that's the other one that stands out. Yep, those are both pretty common ones that I've seen today. He has a lot of great plays in his history. And the other one that stands out to me is the one that he didn't make, and it wasn't his fault. Andy Dalton overthrows him mm. in year two on the road against Houston in the fourth quarter, about six minutes to go. Green didn't even have a target, I think, or maybe uh, didn't have a catch for sure in the first half. And they slowly drag themselves back in the game. And Dalton has him to give them the lead, and he overthrows him. I do wonder what... Uh, just how we look back, if we look back at that that combo a little differently, if they connect on that one. They would have had some playoff success to go with their resumes. That is for sure. But that is enough, AJ Green reminiscing. We wish you well, AJ. I think all the fans of Cincinnati do. We wish it had gone differently. We wish you had not gotten hurt. We wish you had had that playoff success to really fortify that Hall of Fame resume you're working on. And yeah. Wish them all the best down in Arizona. Coming up next, let's talk contracts. We did it yesterday. We're doing it again today. And looking at the Mike Hilton deal, I'm starting to think the Bengals aren't maximizing their cap space this year, James. We'll get into that coming up next. Speaking of maximizing, if you want to maximize your potential in the gym, maximize your potential on the beach when you go to vacation or go on vacation for the first time, since the pandemic this summer, you got to get on the Built Bar plan. We talk about Built Bar all the time. They're the best tasting protein bar on the market, and they come in a bunch of different flavors, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing taste. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. And right now with March Madness going on, it's Built Bar Madness. They're trying to decide what the best tasting protein bar on the planet is. Obviously, it's a Built Bar but which flavor you need to go to builtbar.com or at bar underscore built on Twitter and check out and vote in each of their matchups every single day. Remember to use the promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, that's lock 15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com. The Bengals sure would like to get 15% off of some of these free agent signings to try to make something work on the offensive line. And, and we still expect that that's coming, but You don't even need discounts for Rock Auto to be the best place for you to get your car or truck parts. RockAuto.com has everything you need, no matter what kind of vehicle you drive, from fuel assembly pumps to air and oil filters or the motor oil itself. They've got it at RockAuto.com. You can do the search for those parts using their very simple and easy-to-use interface on RockAuto.com from your home computer. Save yourself the trip to the big box store where the prices might be higher. You have to wait for somebody behind the desk to look up the product for you. It's as easy as it could possibly be with prices that are the same, reliably low for professionals and for you, the do-it-yourselfer. So why spend twice as much on the same parts? Go check it out at rockauto.com, right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. A little breaking news here, Jake, on the Locked on Bengals podcast as we record at 518 Eastern time on Wednesday. The Bengals 
making a splash <laughs> by signing or re-signing cornerback Tony Brown. So another cornerback in that Lou Anarumo defensive backs room. I'm a little surprised by this one, but uh, whoever had the odds with Bet Online of three corners being signed in the first couple of days of this week is uh, – well, they're uh, they're winning a lot of money right now because this uh, a little bit of a surprise to me. I guess this might be a Darren Simmons signing. They lost Ethan Carter. Tony Brown played 186 special team snaps for the Bengals last year. Could be one of those guys that Darren Simmons went to bat for. He was active for most of their games, obviously, because he was playing all those special team snaps. He is the fifth corner on the depth chart and if you get down that far it's not necessarily ideal but as we talked about last year with Tony Brown a lot of athleticism there he's still young Uh, I mean I'm not necessarily holding out hope at this point that he's going to get better he's been in the NFL since 2018 that's three pro seasons turns 25 in July hope he gets better hope there's something there but this is what it is it's a depth move not a whole lot to write home about here Nope, but it's our, our first taste of while we're recording breaking news during this free agency period. Probably won't be the last, but uh, just a little drop in the bucket. Obviously signing who they did on Tuesday or agreeing to terms because they still haven't officially announced these signings. But uh, we got some more contract terms um, with Mike Hilton. And so let, let's dive into that. Mike Hilton, a guy, I think we both like the signing, but Jake, you're a bit concerned with these contract numbers. Yeah, there's a weird split when you look at the way they're structuring deals. They've done year one roster bonuses on Trey Hendrickson and Mike Hilton's contracts. And when you do a year one roster bonus, that's effectively guaranteed money. That's getting paid out in the first year. As soon as he's on the 53-man roster, you're paying that money out. And it's not appreciably different from a signing bonus in terms of the timing of when the team is paying the cash. But by doing that $8 million of, on those two contracts in year one roster bonus, instead of just adding it to the signing bonus, that means that that money isn't prorated over the life of the contract from a salary cap accounting perspective. So to reiterate, the cash spend is virtually identical. It's, it's the same year one cash that's still a bulk payment that's coming out of the Bengals pocket in year one. It just counts higher against the cap in year one. And you might be hearing that and saying, oh, $8 million that they're they're front loading into the first year of the cap. That's great. That means more flexibility later. But since signing bonuses are prorated, if you were to take that $8 million and divide it by four, that's a difference of $2 million over the last three years of the deal and savings in the first year of the deal of about $6 million. Because instead of $8 million, you're adding $2 million so that the difference there is $6 million So the Bengals in structuring these contracts this way on these two players have locked up an additional $6 million of their 2021 cap space to save about $2 million per year later on in cap space over the, over the life of these two deals, these two four-year deals, Mike Hilton and Trey Hendrickson. That isn't necessarily in a vacuum, a bad thing. But I said, and I've talked about this a lot, James, that there's an opportunity here for the Bengals to leverage their cap space in a year when the salary cap is done. You've seen pretty much every other team 
and the NFL do this, where you're seeing big contracts with tiny, tiny, tiny year one cap hits, like $4 million cap hits for $15 million APY deals. And how, how teams are doing that is exactly how the Bengals structured Jadobi Awuzie's contract. For Awuzie's contract, for some reason, they went with no year one roster bonus, straight signing bonus, and the year one cap hit is about $4 million, while the APY is about $7 million. In subsequent years, that cap hit might go up to 8 or $9 million. For, for Mike Hilton, the year one cap hit comes in at $5.875 million instead of you know, $3.25 million. They could have saved a million and a half dollars there. Maybe that math is wrong. That math was definitely wrong. They could have saved a million and a half dollars on the cap hit for for Hilton is the point. And, and that would have resulted in $500,000 greater cap hits in subsequent years, which is pennies when you think about the fact that the cap is going to increase. So why, why is this concerning? Well, you think about $6 million in cap space this year. And you think about what I just said about seeing massive deals with year one cap hits of like four or five million dollars. And you think, oh, I guess that four or five million dollars in cap space, that doesn't sound like a lot of money. But this year that can fit in a whole nother big contract worth of year one cap hit. The Bengals don't seem to necessarily consistently be interested in maximizing their year one cap savings. They did it on Chidobe Abuzi's contract. They did it on Brandon Wilson's contract to, to some degree anyway, but, but they didn't do it with Hilton and Hendrickson. And we're going to have to see what happens the rest of the way here now to see if they, if they do go after O lineman or they say, Hey, we spent to our cap. And then we're going to look back on these deals and we're going to say, yeah, you spent to your cap, but you put cap expenses on this year that you didn't need to. And it, didn't co- it wouldn't have costed you any more money to do it another way. So that's what I'm keeping my eye on here, James. No, I'm glad you're holding him accountable because that, that's the difference. One, there are a lot of people that don't understand the cap or don't want to understand the cap. And it's, it's hard to understand and it's complex and there's a lot to it. You mentioned Andre Perota, uh, Perota on, uh, on Twitter. He's a really good follow uh, to help understand the cap in each deal. And to me... This is the time when you have to maximize. Like they're so worried about their reputation and the perception. Well, these are the things you have to do if you want to change the perception because these are the things that you have to do to win. You've drafted like crap for years. We just started the first segment talking about a guy in AJ Green who hasn't had help at receiver, like true downfield help since Marvin Jones. Think about that. Brandon LaFell was a fine fill-in. I like Tyler Boyd. But at the end of the day, you didn't have a downfield threat and you haven't replaced him in the draft in, in over five years. You got it wrong. And, and so those are the type of things. People remember that. And that's just one example. But my point is, is if you get it wrong in the draft, you have to make up for it somehow. And the fact that the cap was down, this actually, I thought, had a chance to be an advantage for the Bengals. And, and we talked about how many moves they could make and all this stuff they could do. And it just feels like they're not willing to dive all the way in. And they're going to say they spent up to the cap, and I, I expect them to still do that, and I do expect them to get offensive line help. But that that isn't enough when you're trying to make up for all the flaws that you have on a roster due to poor drafting for basically half a decade. And and that's the problem. They're they're playing. They're trying to make up ground, and when you fall behind like they have, it's hard to make that up. They can, and it's possible. But there's no reason to to do deals 
that aren't going to free up as much cap as you can to add as much talent as you can. The Bengals are playing catch up. We'll see if they caught up at all, at least defensively, with a look at the PFF Improvement Index coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. It is March Madness time. The NCAA tournament is starting. You need to get in on the action at betonline.ag. It is easy. You can use your mobile device. You don't have to use a bulky computer or anything like that. You can just use your iPhone, use your Android, and go to betonline.ag for updated odds, props on almost anything you can imagine, not just March Madness, but awards, TV shows, reality TV. They have you covered. So go there right now, betonline.ag. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's that simple. Betonline.ag, promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Check it out. Get in on the March Madness action. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Right before the break, James, you talked about how we had to see the Bengals catch up. And instead, we've seen the Bengals largely treading water so far in this free agency period. They've replaced the players that have left with players that will directly replace them, but they didn't necessarily get better. And that's where PFF's improvement index comes into play. Last year, the Bengals actually ranked ninth in improvement index. And on average, teams in the top 10 of PFF's improvement index last year in 2020 won two and a half more games. Guess how many games the Bengals won when they increased their win total from year to the next year? About two and a half more games. (laughs) So this metric does seem to have some sort of predictive power. And last night when I looked at this and I tweeted it out for the first time, James, the Bengals had added those couple of corners. They had added Trey Hendrickson. They had lost Carl Lawson. That netted out to a total of zero on the improvement index. They weren't positive. They weren't negative. They hadn't gotten worse. They hadn't gotten better. Today, I just reopened it now at 5.30 Eastern time on what day is it? Wednesday, the new league year just opened and the Bengals have moved slightly into the negative. And the reason for that is that William Jackson, they're projecting to be worth about 0.15 wins, a big bump for the Washington football team's uh projection, but Mike Hilton and Chidobi Awuzie together combine for just about 0.1 wins. So that I think is where the difference is. That's moved them into the negative because William Jackson is officially gone and PFF sees despite the same money on two players, the Bengals losing wins above replacement in that exchange. Now is PFF going to necessarily be right about that? I don't know. I mean, it's just doing their, their, you know, really advanced statistical regression models and all that stuff. So we'll have to see. Maybe Chidobe Abuzi bounces back and has a career year. Maybe William Jackson doesn't perform to the level we think he can for the Washington football team, although that defense looks really good on paper, and I think he has a chance to thrive there. We don't really know that yet, but this all goes back to that idea and that point, James, of they're trying to catch up. And what are they trying to catch up from? They're trying to catch up from... You know, you look at their 17 and 18 drafts, the draft picks they actually hit, William Jackson and Carl Lawson, those guys just walked. And so they have really nothing left to show maybe CJ Uzama from those draft classes that could now be going into their second contracts being the core of this team. So you don't have that. You've missed on some free agents. You've missed on some draft picks that you wouldn't consider retaining. And now you're replacing players that you let walk. How, how did the Bengals get better? They haven't yet, but they can. And there's still a path 
to getting better. And, and that all starts with the offensive line. That's the key to me, right? I, I'm, I'm fine with what they've done on defense and they, they might be a little worse, but it, it seems like a wash to me. And I get it. Maybe scheme fit wise, you might get a little more production, like you said, but it's, can you put Joe Burrow in a position to succeed? And to do that, one, you got to have a functional offense. And that starts with the offensive line. And we're a broken record here. And I think all of Cincinnati right now is wondering what the hell is going on. I'm confident that they're having discussions. Like I'm not downplaying that or acting like they're not trying. I think they were in on Kevin Zeitler and couldn't get it done. Well, now is the time to get it done. Maybe a trade for Gabe Jackson. Okay. And there are hurdles uh, to that. Maybe you go out and you sign a Trey Turner. Whatever it is, Jake, they got to improve in the trenches. And if they do that, then I think you're going to see this go up because they had a dreadful offensive line. You know that. Pro Football Focus knows that. And so, yeah, you can replace William Jackson and find a competent replacement for Carl Lawson and Trey Hendrickson, but it's a wash at best. So how are you going to improve? You got to improve in the trenches. Maybe you add a weapon with the wide receiver market being what it is. I mean, John Brown signed for a deal. I think Emmanuel Sanders, one-year deal. We talked about those guys last week. So who knows? You know, maybe they can add in that direction as well and give bro another weapon. But bare minimum, you got to get better in the trenches. And by the trenches, certainly offensive line and even a, a three-tech in, in defensive line. So you have, at minimum, you have $15 million in cap space you can open up. And you're right, they haven't taken advantage of everything they could do to keep as much cap space available in 2021, but they still have the assets to get some stuff done and improve the team. Yeah, I mean, in total, I thought they would spend between 60 and $80 million in cash on outside free agents this year. They spent about $40 million in year one cash on outside free agents. Plus, I guess that also includes Brandon Wilson keeping him around. That is a cash spend. My, my current accounting has them sitting at $19.75 million remaining in cap space. Uh, Jay Morrison and, and Butch Hobson continue to write that the team has $11 million set aside for the rookie pool, etc. Of course, that's simply not how it works. The rookie pool mm-hmm. and all that stuff works out to be about a, maybe $6 million at most cap hit. So the Bengals definitely have room to maneuver. Any additions they make, of course, come with offsets because in the offseason, you're top 51 accounting. So only the top 51 contracts on your roster in terms of cap hit count against the salary cap for you in the offseason. That goes to 53 when the regular season comes around and the roster is now 53 people. So any addition the Bengals make, you subtract off the year one cap hit about $660,000 because it's pushing one of those minimum deals off of the top 51. Offsets mean that there's a little bit more money than there appears to be. But like you said, James, they can they can push that number up $15 million or so if they so please, $16 million if they want to move on from Atkins and Hart this year. And as we've seen with other teams, that's plenty of money. And maybe they're not in on Curtis Samuel. Rodney Hudson got traded to the Arizona Cardinals, so he's he's never become a free agent. Gabe Jackson supposedly is still being shopped by the Raiders. I, I don't see a team trading for him. He's got nine over $9 million on his salary this year, and, and that is not really transferable to a future year. Uh, it's the last year of the deal. So any team acquiring Gabe Jackson is probably going to be looking to entirely rework or redo his deal. There's not really a restructure option there. 
So if a team does trade for, for Gabe Jackson from the Raiders, it's going to come with a new deal. I'm not opposed to it. I can't see it costing more than a sixth or seventh round pick. You know, looking around the league at some of the trades that have happened today, but I, I still think that he will either rework his deal and get traded or, or more likely hit free agency. Still a lot of guys out there though, James, I'm just going to repeat the list of names just so everybody knows. I feel like we've said this list of names many, many times now, but <laughs> yeah, Trey Turner, Gabe Jackson, Russell Okung, Rick Wagner, a bunch of offensive linemen, Andre Villanueva, Riley Reef, Larry Warford, David Andrews is set to become a free agent from the Patriots. There's Bobby Massey for a stopgap tackle from the Bears. Quentin Spain still out there as a free agent. Ode Abushi from the Lions. And then things get a little bit desperate if you go past there on the list. But there are a lot of names still out there. We might see some cuts come down. Still expect the Bengals to sign one or two offensive linemen. Because if all they do in this free agency period is replace the players they've lost, man, I think there's going to be a revolt. And it would be right, the correct, the right approach, <laughs> right? And I'm not calling upon fans to revolt, but damn it, if they, they don't add add the linemen, then it's a failure. Like, you, you can't go into the draft needing three starting offensive linemen. And you can't go in the draft thinking that Michael Jordan or Billy Price or any of these guys is going to fix themselves under Frank Pollock. You just can't. So you're absolutely right. They got to get the line. Ah, man. I, I mean, the dream at this scenario to me, Jake, would be two starting linemen, which, again, probably isn't going to cost a ton given that list. Like, it's not going to break the bank. A weapon, and this might be a gadget guy. It might not necessarily be Curtis Samuel or Will Fuller, but just a, a downfield type threat that can help alleviate the the pressure and just give you some speed. And then maybe a defensive lineman I'm because they need it. I hate the fact that we're talking about defense more, but I also understand the need for it. So especially once you, you, you cut Gino. So, so those are the, the four spots I'm looking at two linemen, maybe a guard and attack or two guards, a wide receiver, potentially some kind of weapon and then a defensive tackle. I think the focus has to be on the trenches. If they go into the draft, needing a weapon, there's worse places to be. You can find those throughout sure. the draft. But I, I would love to see all four of those things addressed. Regardless of what they do, we will be there for you every step of the way. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast because James and I are willing to do as many podcasts in a day as we need to do to keep you updated on the news. Just a couple of days ago, it was three and a video and a live stream. You want to follow us on Twitter as well at James Rapine at Jake underscore NFL to make sure you're in the loop when we do things that aren't podcast content, great article up on AJ Green over at allbengals.com, for example, that James retweeted. That comes from Elise Jesse. Don't want to miss any of that content, so make sure you're signed up. Until next time, Bengals fans, when hopefully the Bengals have made a move on the offensive line, who day, and have a good one.